This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's Friday, October 8th, 2021. In Canada, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. So I want to do this podcast today because there's something that's kind of itching away at me. And here's what it is. I was looking at some of my hives, the videos, and watching the entrances of two different types of hives. We have um, two top bar hives that have never been treated going into their second completing their second full year and going into their second winter. We have a number of hives that are going into their third winter. But then I got to thinking, are the bees really tricking us? Here's the fundamental problem. I was listening, well, there's a couple of them. On the treadmill, I was listening to a uh, podcast by a well-renowned U.S. beekeeper who... um, puts a podcast out I believe it's from New Jersey somewhere the the temperature is fairly close to what we have a little warmer but it's somewhat similar so it's an interesting podcast now certainly more of a traditional livestock type beekeeper who talks about multiple treatments and opening your hive and grafting queens and all that's great stuff which is more power to people to do that it just helps me understand whether you're into that or not he was talking about his um, summer losses, so the number of bees he started with in June or May and how many he's going into in the winter at this point in early October, late September. And I noticed that the number he was reporting was about the same percentage that I was getting, even though I haven't been doing any treatments. And the second thing that I noticed that just came out and hit me in the face when I was on the treadmill is the assumptions we make about what we think we know about our bees, but they're actually could be tricking us. And I was thinking about my hives, for example. Let's take um, one of the top bar hives. So when I when I got bees into the top bars uh, two years ago, I simply took a couple of frames from... Uh, because I didn't know how to do it, I, I was starting out. Took a couple of frames from a traditional long straw hive, put them into the top bar, put the bars over top, and closed it up. And that was it. There was, there was there was nothing else to do there. Now, it looked like it wasn't doing much, so I added a, a really uh, to add the genetics two years ago. Sorry, last year I was adding the genetics. I was getting queens. I got five queens from different places. I I received five queen cells trying to introduce, as they talk about in the Darwinian black bee box technique, I was introducing different genetics. So I put put a queen in there, shut it up, never looked at it again until this year, sometime in June, after the wildflowers wrote, I took a frame of honey, closed it up again. They were quite strong and haven't treated them for two years. But here's the thing. There's no way to really know if the bees that are in there now going into the winter doing an incredible job, it looks like, bringing in pollen today. This is October 8th, and they're bringing in aster pollen, and there's some clover still. I have no idea if it's the same hive or the same bees that we started with, because here's what, as you know, what happens. Hives take over other hives in 10 minutes. When a hive loses a queen, the bees disperse, as do the drones, and they all go to different places. Now, they don't go out in the middle of the, of the field or the middle of the bush. They actually go join up with other hives. And the way they get in is they bring in honey, usually, or pollen or nectar, and they're allowed in. Drones can come and go as they please, according to what we know about the science. Drones are very easily 
you know, taken care of, that people, for some reason, they have sort of a, uh, a free pass, if you will. So regardless of what you're doing with bees, if you're a beekeeper, whether you're doing it as I am, or if you're all the way down the spectrum to a very strict, um, you know, livestock type of operation where you treat your bees and all of that, you really don't know what you have because they could trick us. So on a Monday, and I've talked about this before, you could go into walk by your hive at one o'clock in the afternoon and the bees look like they're doing fine. And an hour later, you happen to be walking by again and they look like they're really busy and they look like they're a little different, but you just keep walking. And sure enough, what happened for 10 minutes, a new hive came over and took over the old one. So all we can really say is the length of time a hive has been, ha you know, has had bees in it uh, without any breaks in bees. So let's think about what all that could mean. That could mean that um, the hives that started there, the hive that started there, there were some swarms, so the queens were replaced by other queens, so it still has some link to the original start. But regardless, the queen would have been replaced because they do swarm, particularly when you don't do any splits, and I know our bees did swarm rather heavily last summer. So for sure, the queen of that two-year-old hive that's never been treated um, is a new queen from the one I started with, but I have no idea if it's the original link or is it, a, it could be a totally new hive. Um, another thing that could happen could be that the original hive is there, um, the hive never split or on its own, meaning it didn't swarm. And so we have the original queen. Now, what are the chances of that? Well, scientists are telling us that right now the queens are living months, not years. It used to be three to five years or two to five years, depending on what research you read, that the queens would survive and continue to be fruitful. Now they're saying queens are living less than a year. And so it's highly doubtful that that's happened, but that's possible. Another thing that we have noticed is that a hive can be empty. So in other words, uh, this hive may have totally emptied out. Bees have said the queen may have failed. The, the bees moved in out on a Monday, and on a Tuesday, a new hive swarmed and moved in in total. So none of the bees are linked to the previous group of bees. And then there's the possibility, what I just said, that the hive is made up of a cluster of different hives who, where bees have traveled in, and the drones have traveled in, and you've got that kind of a mix going on. So I think it's probably best to say that bees can really trick us, meaning the way we look at them. They're not do trying to trick us on purpose. They're just living their life. But when, when I say a hive is in its third year, I think I need to start saying that for three years that hive has been continually occupied. And I suspect with the same link of a family that started, but I can't be sure. Now that throws into the entire mix the question of does any of this Darwinian black bee box beekeeping matter because can we truly say that we're actually creating bees that are more able to survive without our intervention? Well, it's true that the hives are being able to be occupied without intervention. As I said, we're going into the winter with 17 and I'd be happy with 15 hives going into the winter. I don't know yet. I think they'll all survive, but you never know. So let's assume we have 15 going in. All we can say is we have 15 occupied hives. And for a number of them, it's their third winter. 
For some, it's their second winter. And for all of them, it's been one year uh, without treatment, although there was HopGuard in March that I used on some of them, so it's not, it hasn't been a year. But that HopGuard was really suspect the way I used it. And that's where we're at today. So I'm going to think some more on this about bees tricking us because I think they really do. And again, I, the, the more I listen and, and I listen to some of the conclusions that we make, and I've made them, where you assume you know what's going on, we really don't know. That two-year-old, um, you know, hive that I have, that two-year-old, there's two of them that have not been treated for two years, could actually be swarms that came and went and came and went and they've been treated forever and we just don't know it because they're coming from other hives. I suspect not. So I'm going to have to look at some more detail on how we can figure this out. So really, unless you, I would imagine, have some type of tracking system on a queen which would totally disrupt the entire process or somehow have your 30, 20,000, 40,000 bees marked so you can sort of identify where they go and I don't know how on earth you'd ever do that. We really have no idea what they're doing. All we know is we provide shelter for them and the hives we provide, and then we observe what happens. That's about the only thing I'm sure of right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not sure what we're doing in the sense that it really may not matter. I'm going to give some more digging thought on this because think about it for a minute. What if we're just providing... Uh, places for bees to come to and there's such a variance in who's coming who's living who's leaving who's filling the gap that we have no way to measure whether or not any of this matters other than we have a sustainable perhaps occupation of our beehives and maybe that's a better way to look at it how can we continue with minimal effort and have uh, a minimal human intervention yet continue to have highs, continually have communities occupying a beehive, whether it be a Langstroth, a uh, top bar, or a log hive. I'm Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. I'm going to continue to work on this one. I've got a video that I'm working on. It sort of has the same theme that will be up on the site soon. You have an amazing Thanksgiving if you're in Canada. If you're in America and you're listening, celebrate a couple times. Have a great one. Talk soon.